Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is sponsored by Third Love. Their 24-7 t-shirt bra is the most comfortable bra I've ever owned. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that already. It's made out of super soft memory foam. It molds to your shape and gives you a truly perfect fit. It also just disappears under whatever you're wearing. Third Love stands behind the 24-7 t-shirt bra so much that they're willing to let our All The Books listeners try it for free for 30 days. If you love it, you keep it. They'll charge your card. If you don't love it, you send it back and your card will not be charged. Start your free trial now at thirdlove.com slash books. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 56, and today we are talking about books released on May 31st, 2016. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Hello. Hi there. It's a Saturday morning. It's a million degrees outside. We're both really sleepy. Yep, we were discussing before how you barely slept. I did not go to bed. And so I decided to make it more interesting, and I pounded a 16-ounce Red Bull like right before I called you. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so many Red Bull. So many Red Bull, so many ounces. <laughs> so much. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I say, bring it. Yes, this is going to be, it'll be fun and exciting. Yeah, yesterday yeah. afternoon, I was opening book mail, and the hard copy, the like final edition of Terry Tempest Williams' new book, The Hour of Land, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute, um, was in one of the envelopes, and it said, coming May 31st, and I was like, no, no, that book's coming out in June, and I checked all of my notes, and all of my notes had it for June, but her publisher must have bumped up the publication date, so I stayed up very late with Terry Tempest Williams, and then I just woke up early this morning for, you know, no reason under my own control so I'm like I have really good book hangover but also just like lack of sleep so we'll we're just gonna see how today goes it's gonna be fine it'll, it'll be, be great yeah, yeah. it's always fine yeah it'll be you just have good books fine. I do have lined good books. up for today I'm excited to to talk about these books um so I think that's what I'm gonna do now yeah kick us off I was gonna sing a song but you know well um, there's always time there's time yeah uh, my first pick is called before the fall by Noah Howley. Howley? I can't pronounce his name for some reason. It's H-A-W-L-E-Y. Holly? Holly? Probably Holly. Let's go with Holly. Yeah. Um, he is the creator of the Fargo TV show. Um, and this is actually his fifth novel. I had not heard of oh, I didn't his know that. previous books, but I think I read somewhere. Um, or I could have hallucinated it between the sleep, lack of sleep and the Red Bull. Um, it's his fifth novel. And it's so good and so intense and don't read this book before you get on a plane. Don't read this book oh. while you're on a plane. Don't get the. Don't read this book anywhere near a plane. Um, it is about a plane crash. Uh, it starts out with these eleven people who are on Martha's Vineyard, and they're taking a private jet to New York City. Um, the plane crashes into the ocean. The only people that survived are a man named Scott, who is a down on his luck painter. He's a recovering alcoholic. Um, he 
doesn't really fit in with the rest of the people on the plane. They're all very wealthy. He happened to catch a ride, maybe. Um, there's all this like mystery unfolding. Uh, the other survivor is a four-year-old boy who is now the sole heir to a giant multi-million dollar fortune. Um, he lost his parents and his sister on that plane. So it goes... It follows Scott's story as he goes along. Like, he survives this crash with this kid. This kid becomes very dependent upon him. But he's sent to live with his aunt, his um, remaining uh, relative who is alive. And he becomes, like, this media celebrity. Everybody wants to talk to him. This amazing guy who, like, saved this little boy and, like, survived the plane crash. Um, it goes back and forth between that story and then you get to see a, the story from the point of view of each of the people who were on that plane. And there's an investigation. Like, they're looking into, like, why did this plane go down in the ocean? It was foggy outside. Is it because it was foggy? Was it pilot error? Um, and you're, you're like, wondering, like, what's going on? And it's like, it doesn't have a twist. That's what I kind of found refreshing oh. about this for once. Like, I've read so many books with twists lately, and some of them have been so good. But I was like... I'm t like I'm tired of like ramping myself up to be like, what's the twist? Is this the twist? Is this the twist? You know, mm -hmm. so it's just like this straightforward mystery that tension keeps building um, while you're seeing Scott and he's trying to escape the the media's eye. And there's the the boy's father was like this huge media mogul and like one of the guys who worked for him. He's this like right wing nut job who has a, a TV show. Um, he's like, oh, it's obviously this guy. Like, why was he on that plane? He must have been having an affair with one of the women and. Just, he's, like, going after him. And meanwhile, they're, like, looking into what happened to the plane. And I have to tell you that when I realized, like, what was going to be the cause of the crash, I, like, actually gasped out loud. I was like, whoa. Oh, that's great. Oh. So it's just, it's a really great, straightforward mystery. Um, I, I loved it. And, again, it is called Before the Fall by Noah Hawley. Holly? Damn it. Holly? <laughs> Holly. Let's say Holly. <laughs> My main accent will not let me say this <laughs> word. <laughs> Holly. <laughs> okay, you talk There's now. that Red Bull. Okay. Uh, this is like a new Terry Tempest Williams book day is kind of a holiday to me. And so I'm very excited about this. Every day is um, a holiday with Terry. It's true. She's so she's just so wonderful. Uh, so the new book is called The Hour of Land. If you don't know Terry Tempest Williams, she is a, a wonderful writer. She's an essayist and a poet. She is a conservation activist. She's a naturalist. And so her books tend to weave her personal stories together with those themes. The Hour of Land is a celebration of the centennial of our national parks. Um, the national parks were founded officially in 1916. And now there's more than 400 of them, including national parks and monuments and seashores and like historic sites. I had no idea um, that there were so many and they're visited by more than 3 million people per year, which I think is really excellent and exciting. Um, and prior to this, all that I knew about national parks was what I gleaned from President Bartlett's like random trivia about them on the West Wing. Um, this is not, however, a straightforward history of the national parks uh, because Terry does things in such a much more interesting way. She calls it a personal topography. And I think that's really a beautiful and perfect way to describe them. Um, there are 13 sections of the book. Each one is about a particular national park. She couldn't go to all of them, 
She, of course, couldn't cover all of them in the book. Um, So she's chosen 13. Many of them are parks that she has lots of personal history with. She grew up in Utah. Generations of her family have visited Grand Teton National Park together. And she opens the book um, with stories set there. But throughout, she's weaving her personal experiences in national parks with really rich, fascinating information about their history, with reflection about what our national parks represent for Americans, what they meant in the past what they can mean to us now, what they symbolize for our future, um, for our values and the things that we can value or um, that we should value. And of course, her work as a conservationist and a naturalist are really large here. This is not a like, you know, thousand facts about the national parks, although the book is filled with them. Um, It's really a meditation on um, why we have set aside beautiful places for Americans to go enjoy, um, mostly of the time for free, what it is that we're looking for when we go out into nature and put ourselves, as Cheryl Strayed would say, put ourselves in the way of beauty, um, what our national parks can mean for us in this particular time in our culture. Um, And this is from the introduction, but it just really struck me. She says, I see our national parks as our ongoing struggle as a diverse people to create circles of reverence in a time of collective cynicism, where we are wary of being moved by anything but our own clever perspective. Um, I could not love Terry Tempest Williams' work any more than I possibly do. This one really, really resonated with me, just um, especially because in the last few years of my life, I've spent more time in national parks, and I started to discover that the thing that makes me hum is not like visiting fancy cities or doing historical things, but it is being out in nature, uh, having that sense of wonder activated by like large, beautiful, natural, striking things. Um, whether it's like a cave in New Zealand or the mountains here in Virginia. And so I I just really connected to the stories that she was telling here and could appreciate it on a personal level. Um, But she does such a wonderful job of telling her story about the parks and putting them in the context of American history and present American culture that I think you could really take a lot from the book, whether you've ever spent time in one of our national parks or not, it will certainly have you Googling and planning future trips to them. It's so, it's just so beautiful. Um, I'm, I've cried so many tears in the last 24 hours rereading sections of it. Uh, I just love her work. If you've not read her before, pick up this one and When Women Were Birds. It's probably my all-time favorite book ever. Uh, Again, this is The Hour of Land by Terry Tempest Williams. She's the best. I was just going to talk about that book for half an hour, so I had you to probably pick a, could have. I had to pick a stopping point. <laughs> yeah. How about we stop here and I tell you about our next sponsor? That sounds good. Our next sponsor is the is Rook. I wanted to say the Rook. Nope. Rook by Sharon Cameron. And uh, let me tell you about it. It says, history has a way of repeating itself. In the sunken city that was once Paris, all who oppose the new revolution are being put to the blade. Except for those who disappear from their prison cells, a red-tipped rook feather left in their place. The mysterious red rook is a savior of the innocent and a criminal in the eyes of the government. Meanwhile, across the sea in the Commonwealth, Sophia Bellamy's arranged marriage to the wealthy Rene Hassard is the last chance to save the family from ruin. But when the search for the Red Rook comes straight to her doorstep, Sophia discovers that her fiancé is not all he seems, which is only fair because neither is she. As the Red Rook grows bolder and the stakes grow ever higher, Sophia and Rene find themselves locked in a tantalizing game of cat and mouse. Daring intrigue, delicious romance, and spine-tingling suspense fill the pages of this extraordinary tale from award-winning author Sharon Cameron. And it's now in paperback! I think I have it somewhere in hardcover, so I should 
read it. I'm going to move it up. That sounded awesome. I was going to say, it's time now. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, sometimes I, I buy a lot of books and then, like, I set them down and more books pile on top of them. And so I'm going to go digging for this. Um, but uh, USA Today calls it spellbindingly imaginative. And uh, she is the author of Rook, as well as The Dark Unwinding, A Spark Unseen, and her upcoming novel, The Forgetting, which is hitting shelves in September. Cool. Yeah. And I, when I looked up some info about her before the show, she's actually listed like on, on Amazon and, and IndieBound as Professor Sharon Cameron. But I couldn't figure Ooh. out what she was professor of. It doesn't say in her bio. Um, just that she lives in Nashville, which is awesome, which means that she can go to Parnassus, and I'm super, super jealous. There's, like, such a great writing culture in Nashville, but I feel like people are just starting to figure it out. Yeah, JT Ellison lives there. She's awesome. And I think, uh, well, Emma Straub spent some time there last year. Mm -hmm. Maybe Lori Moore has spent some time in Nashville. And, of course, Ann Patchett, because... That's her yes. bookstore. Uh, yes, Ann Patchett. Great, yeah, great, interesting literary culture there. The music gets all the attention in Nashville, but there are a ton of great writers coming out of that city, too. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so what is your next uh, pick this week? My next book is Some Possible Solutions, stories by Helen Phillips. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you probably remember that I lost my mind over her last book, The Beautiful Bureaucrat, which came out last year. Um, and this is a collection of stories. They're fantastic. Um, if you watch the TV show Black Mirror, they reminded me a lot of those. Um, she has these like sort of future, sort of falling sh just short of normal tales. Um, there's one about a woman who they're in the future and you can find out when you're going to die. Like you go to a machine in this government building and it will tell you like the exact date of your death. And she's trying to decide like, does she want to know? And if she finds out, does she want to tell her husband? He's pressuring her, but then he doesn't know that he wants to know. Um, the title story is about desire and um, different ways that people um, deal with their needs and what they want. Uh, there's one about a guest at a party who's having a miserable time and she goes in the kitchen and when she comes back out, everybody at the table is frozen in place. Um, there's one about a new mother who moves with her four-week-old baby to a town that turns out is populated entirely by women with four-week-old babies who look just like her. Huh. Um, there's a lady who's at a wedding and the maitre d' Uh, shows her this room where these unusual things are happening. Um, there, this time around, she reminded me a lot more of Ray Bradbury when I was reading. Oh, him. interesting. Um, which I know sells you right there, but mm -hmm. they're just so so smart and interesting. Um, you know the the ideas, they're all great. Some of the stories are very long, some are very short. Um, she's just so fantastic, and I loved it all. So again, it's called Some Possible Solutions by Helen Phillips. I've had my eye on that one too, but I knew that you were going to want it as a pick, so I'm holding off. Yeah, that's probably one I would have fought you for. <laughs> Usually you just let me have them because I don't read as fast as you do, so I'm fine <laughs> with that. I'm fine with it. I've got a copy. I'll get to it eventually. Oh, and did I tell you, since you are so good at recommending short stories, I picked up The Bed Moved when <gasps> I was in Chicago. Excellent. And? Yes. Well, I haven't read it yet, but I picked oh. it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If I stick it under my pillow, do you think I'll wake up in the morning with all the stories in my brain? <laughs> I'm so hard of hearing. At first, I thought you said, I picked it up and the bed moved. And I was like, what did you pick up to make that happen? Was there a lever, like, on the floor in your hotel room? Like, the bed started to levitate. Yeah, I think it just happened, <laughs> Chicago is a magical place. Uh, what's magical is my next pick this week. Dun, dun, dun. Uh -huh. uh, modern Certainly Lovers. Is. By 
It is magical. This is a great book. Uh, Modern Lovers by Emma Straub. This is one of the big books of the summer and for a really good reason. Uh, it's about two couples uh, that are the, at the core of the couples are three friends. Elizabeth, Andrew and Zoe have been friends since they were in a band together in college. They had like a brief flash of fame. And then one of their bandmates went solo and her star really rose and then she died young and so became more famous. And now that these uh, Elizabeth, Andrew and Zoe are in like solidly in middle age, Hollywood is calling for the movie rights um, to tell the story of their dead former bandmates life. And so because they were in the band with her, the movie studio needs them to sign away their life rights so that their characters can be portrayed in the movie as well. So they're all reflecting on their sort of golden moments as people in their early 20s when they were cool, when they were in a band together. Elizabeth and Andrew are married to each other. Each of them is having their own kind of midlife crisis. Um, and then Zoe, uh, who was always the coolest one of the group, and her wife are not in a good place either. Things are just not going smoothly. Each couple has a teenage kid. Uh, and Elizabeth and Andrew's son is like the perfect, really well-behaved, sort of straight-A student. No one ever worries about him causing any kind of trouble. Like, it doesn't even really occur to Elizabeth and Andrew to check up on him all that often because it's so far out of the realm of possibility that he would would ever misbehave at all. Um, Zoe and her wife are raising a very cool, awesome, you know, like very self-confident girl. And uh, their kids grew up together, but now uh, are maybe starting a relationship and are sort of suddenly, you know, doing things uh, that the parents find out about and are struggling with that as well. Um, the book rotates on this carousel from all of the different characters' perspectives, which I love. It's just a thing that in fiction rings all of my bells when it's done really well. Um, so we get to see what each of them is going through, but this really puts all of Emma Straub's talents like on high beam because the middle-aged characters and the thing that they're really struggling with, which is like, what if you peak too soon? What do you do with yourself in middle age when you're supposed to be looking at the rest of your life and the things that you have accomplished and the things that you want to accomplish? And like your glory years are already two or three decades behind you. And you're not sure where you're going. You're not sure you've done the right thing by your kids. You don't you just don't know. Um, and they, they're all sort of casting about in their own ways. And there's some flailing that occurs. Um, Straub just nails those feelings of uncertainty. And she's equally observant and incisive about what it feels like to be a teenager who's also uncertain of your social standing. And you're trying to like make friends and decide where you want to go to college and what you want to be and how to get the date with the person that you think is cute. And all of these characters are so fully realized and so relatable. And the book is just really enjoyable. It moves along. Her writing is wonderful. Uh, I just really loved it. I love that it has that band gets back together feeling like in this sense, kind of literally since Elizabeth and Andrew and Zoe were in a band together. Um, but they, you know, went to college together and they now live essentially on the same block in the same neighborhood uh, in Ditmas Park in Brooklyn. So we get to see, you know, their lives in the past and their lives now as middle aged people and their teenagers lives as well, growing up in New York and thinking about all the other possibilities that exist for them. And um, every character is is interesting. They're not all likable, but they're not all supposed to be like people aren't all likable all of the time, but they're all interesting and worth spending time with. Um, and it's a great quick moving book if you are looking for something for summer travel or to sit on the beach with like, this is sort of the quintessential summer read, um, not because it's fluffy, the subject matter is quite substantial, but it moves along very well. So that's Modern Lovers by Emma Straub. I was lucky enough to interview her 
for Brian. Oh, Bryant. that's right. So keep your that's eye gonna out run for that. this week, I think. Yeah, she's great. Um, so I'm gonna do something a little different now. Uh, Bring it. You know, Are you gonna drink another Red Bull? No, that would get us. Um, I would just start chewing on the microphone. Um, <laughs> we so it's a good time to mention that we do not get paid to talk about the books that we select. Um, we get paid to talk about our sponsors. So I read all kinds of books that I'm interested in, and sometimes I have so many I can't choose, and sometimes I don't enjoy as many um, that I encounter. And so I have a few that I'm really excited about that I'm saving for the newsletter. So instead, my next two books will be books that came out recently that I didn't get to in time for the show, but I'm really excited about. Let's Does do that, that make sense? It does, yeah. Okay. And it's, you know, some weeks there's just like... It's sometimes it feels like feast or famine with new releases. Like some weeks we, you know, make our list of eight for the show. And then there are eight more that we loved and could talk about, too. And other weeks, it's difficult to come up with all the ones that we want to feature. And this was just a not to knock anybody whose book came out today, but everybody has individual preferences. And well, we also have not read every book that comes out today. Right. (laughs) So, well, yeah, I was going to give you you might have, but I'm not anywhere close. (laughs) So. And I just, I'm really excited about the ones that I've chosen, so I'm happy to talk about them. So uh, I'm going to get to my first one, and that is Father's Day by Simon Van Bui. Um, he is a fabulous author, uh, and this novel just knocked me uh, for a loop, um, mostly because it made me cry a lot, and that oh, doesn't no. happen very often, but it was really sweet and, and nice, and Father's Day is coming up. Um, it's about, it goes back and forth. Uh, between the present and when the uh, protagonist was a little girl. Her name is Harvey. Um, and when she was six years old, her parents are killed in a car accident. Um, and so her she's placed with a social worker who named Wanda, who is like this wonderful, warm, just in- incredible character. Um, and Wanda decides that... Uh, that Harvey should live with her uncle Jason. Her uncle Jason is a disabled felon um, who is just hating his life. He's living in his parents' house that he inherited, um, not doing a good job taking care of himself or, or taking care of you know anything. Um, but Wanda decides that she sees some hope there. She sees some hope in him. Um, Harvey knows nothing about her uncle Jason except that one time her dad mentioned him and she asked about him and he was like, we don't talk about him. He's not a good person. But... Harvey, like, she's six years old, and she makes her own judgments, and she likes him. Um, And so she moves in with him, and they start this relationship that, you know, Jason doesn't... He's like, I'm going to screw this kid up. I'm not going to do anything right. I'm going to miss, you know, school meetings, and I'm just going to ruin this. And Wanda just believes in him, and it turns out that that's really all he needed. Um, And they just have this incredible relationship, and it jumps back and forth between when she's six and then a little older and also present day where she now lives in Paris. She has an amazing job and she's living in Paris and she's getting ready for Jason to come visit her um, for Father's Day. And she's all excited. She wants to show him her new life and, and everything that's going on. Um, and she has all these these things planned for him for Father's Day. And it's just like, oh my goodness, how could you not cry? It's so sweet. Um, I, I just, I absolutely loved it. And I was like, I wish I had read this one in time for the podcast. So there you have it. There it is now. Um, again, it's called Father's Day, and it's by Simon Van Bui. He is the loveliest man. Have you ever gotten oh, to meet him? Oh, yes, I have. He's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I meant very charming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah? That's what I meant, too. What, uh, I, what did you think I was saying? I don't know. <laughs> Look, a squirrel. <laughs> well, before... <laughs> 
<laughs> Everyone here is a squirrel today, let's be real. Uh, <laughs> before I go on to my next pick, I just want to remind our listeners that May 31st, aka the day that this show drops, is the last day for VIP registration for Book Riot Live. You get $40 off the weekend registration price. You get early RSVP access to any special events and panels that we're going to have to limit attendance to. And you get a free Book Riot Live water bottle. There are some uh, very exciting, wonderful speakers already announced. You can check those out at bookriotlive.com. We'll be making some other big announcements in the next week, like someone just signed their paperwork, but I'm not allowed to say their name yet. Uh, so you'll have to keep an eye on that. Alas, our Saturday night party at the Strand uh, in the Rare Book Room has sold out. So if you're sad, you should remember that and buy your tickets early next year. Uh, we'll hopefully have some other evening events that we can announce soon as well. But in the meantime, get your VIP registration, bookriotlive.com, save $40 on uh, your weekend and also get your early RSVP access. And I'm come s- hang out with us. Yes. And, and Charlie Jane Anders. Yes. So excited that was just announced. And Ken Liu and Val Delandro, who's one of the co-creators of Bitch Planet. Um, oh my god! How uh, many how many Bitch Planet tattoos do you think he sees? Like whenever he does be, an event now, there's going to be so many. And there will be Riot so many. There, are, I think. I think this is not exact an exaggeration to say there's at least half a dozen contributors between Book Riot and panels that have the non-compliant tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- there will be many. I have a feeling at Book Riot Live. It'll be so much fun. I'm so excited to meet him. Uh, it's got to be weird, though, to be an artist and to see a thing you created just sh- just like show up on so many people's bodies because it struck such a chord with them. Yeah. Neil Gaiman talked once something about like people getting his signature on them. Like he signed like their body part and they run off immediately to have it tattooed on them and like come back to show him like, that, at the same uh, event. And he's just like, wow, <laughs> that would be such a trip. When I was like, like a little girl, I think I was like 10. We were walking around. I was with my family. We were walking around this big outdoor shopping center in Kansas City called the Plaza. Um, and there was a guy like walking down the sidewalk who had that like the Aerosmith logo tattooed on his shoulder. He must have had on a sleeveless shirt. He had it tattooed on his shoulder. My dad loved Aerosmith and like raised me listening to Aerosmith and I must have pointed it out and we ended up talking to the guy and he had Steven Tyler's signature tattooed under the logo as well and he was like yeah he signed my Aerosmith logo and then I got that tattooed too and like I remember thinking whoa that's like that's commitment (laughs) yeah Um, yes that was a random story. And I so like that. <laughs> I like you're like this this shopping place called the Plaza. <laughs> yes. Well, okay, so it's fully called the Country Club Plaza. Oh, wow. Okay, let's see that's better. Like we have places here <laughs> called like Fox Run and uh, you know all this stuff and I was like the Plaza, like, that's Yeah, if you're like from the Midwest, you know it. It's a uh, it's one of I think it was either the first or one of the country's first like big outdoor shopping centers and it has all this Spanish architecture and uh, it's pretty. They do gorgeous lights there at the holidays but anyway on to my next book what's (laughs) even happened (laughs) Uh, my next pick this week is called the geek feminist revolution by cameron hurley it's awesome Uh, this is a collection of essays many of which were born as blog posts cameron hurley has been interneting as a geek and a feminist and a feminist geek for quite a while Um, and these are about geek culture and geek communities what it means to be a feminist within them and then the larger context of those things in contemporary culture and feminism Um, many of the pieces are framed within specific stories and experiences and ideas that she's had from
from the world of sci-fi fantasy, from being a gamer and from being very into movies, especially like 80s apocalyptic movies. There are lots of Mad Max references in this book, um, but they tie to bigger picture issues. And there's a mix of commentary on culture, sort of reviews of new movies and of video games with personal essays that feel very memoir-ish, stories about her own life and experiences. And um, it felt in construction and the the point of view that she brings very similar to me to um, Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay, which I've been so excited to make that comparison. And then someone else on the internet beat me to it this week, but I'm making it anyway, uh, because it stands. So if you liked Bad Feminist, I think you'll really like the construction of the geek feminist revolution. It's a nice mixture of sort of straightforward thoughts about uh, feminism and culture and politics mixed with here are some things that exist in the culture right now. Here are some movies or here are some video games and how uh, those feminist perspectives play out through them. She writes about being a woman online. She writes about harassment. Uh, she writes about you know her particular take on engaging with trolls or not. Um, it's you know I don't agree with everything that she has said. I don't think you're ever intended to agree with everything in a book like this. Um, and again, it felt it did feel very similar to Bad Feminist to me. There's a little repetition, um, probably because a lot of the essays were born as blog posts over several years. So she's been thinking about the same things for a long time. Um, but it's very interesting. She's very smart. I loved spending time with her voice. And she's also a professional copywriter. So there are really interesting tidbits about working in advertising and corporate culture and lessons that she's brought from her life as a business person into her life as a writer and a professional you know, creator of stuff. Um, there are, um, I thought there were some weaknesses to Bad Feminist. Um, some of Roxane Gay's sort of idiosyncrasies come out a lot. Um, if you really like that, that makes Bad Feminist even more enjoyable. For me, the Geek Feminist Revolution was a stronger collection um, because there's less of that. We get less of Cameron Hurley's like particular personal um, idiosyncratic stuff and a little bit more of the wider consideration of um, feminism and geek culture in particular. Um, I really, really liked it. If you are uh, doing feminism online at all these days. I think this is an essential read. And it is, again, The Geek Feminist Revolution by Cameron Hurley. And that's Cameron with a K. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> that was a giant stack of books falling over in my in my office. Um, moving on. <laughs> it happens all the time. <laughs> that was good. I, I almost fell off my stool. It scared me. <laughs> I'm glad that it was a book sound and not an anything else sound. Yeah, no, you were like, oh, she passed out and hit the floor. <laughs> nope. I'm not going to say it didn't cross my mind. Yeah, no. That was a giant, that happens in my house two, three times a week. It was a giant <laughs> stack of books. Um, usually it happens after my boyfriend has band practice, which is what happened last night. He had band practice and then things fall over. Like they literally <laughs> rock the stacks over. Um, anyway, so let me get to my last pick <laughs> now that my Let's nerves are all jangled. <laughs> This will definitely jangle your nerves. Ba -ba, I did it. There um, it is. It's called Tom. It's called no. It's not called Thomas. It's called Hex by Thomas Old Huvelt. Um, this is a super creepy, awesome novel that I absolutely loved. Um, it actually is a Dutch novel that came out a few years ago, and he took it and Americanized it. He moved it to the U.S change some of the names, change the city. It's now located, uh, it takes place uh, near uh, West Point. Um, it's in a town called Black Spring. And the people who live in Black Spring have regular lives, except for this one thing. 
there's a gross, disgusting undead witch who uh, just haunts their town, walks around, like, you know, shows up places. Um, her name is Catherine Van Weiler, and hundreds of years ago, she was uh, hung as a witch in this town. And since then, there has been this sort of curse on Black Spring. Um, the people who live there can't leave. Um, if they try to get away from the town, if they visit other towns, they slowly descend into madness and feel compelled to take their own lives. Um, so mm. these people live in this town. There is a group of people who handle the witch. The, they're called, their group is called Hex. Um, it's kind of like Cabin in the Woods Sort of oh, like behind okay. this, it's like behind the scenes, like what they do is like they have cameras and they're on witch patrol and they make sure like if someone's visiting from the outside, if she suddenly appears somewhere, like they, you know, have a distraction and because nobody talks about the witch. Um, they're worried that like if the word of her gets out, if this, if the secret of this town is let out into the world, like it'll cause chaos and it'll be a tourist attraction and it'll be you know, national security risk and, like, all these problems. So the people who live there are not allowed to talk about the witch with anybody. Um, she's just, like, she has her eyes sewn shut and she has her mouth sewn shut because you don't want to talk to her because she will convince you to take your own life. So um, they just deal with this, like, creepy lady just, like, hanging out in the store one day. And then the next day she's, like, standing in your bedroom and you're just, like, you have to... They have an app now where you can terrifying. text them. <laughs> it's so good. There's a witch app, like because it's you know it's modern day. They have technology now, so you like text and be like, "Hey, she's in my living room," and they're like, "Okay," and they like keep track of where she is. Um, <laughs> except that there are a group of teenagers who have grown up in this town, and now that it's present day and there's all this technology, um, they're tired of keeping this secret. They're tired of not being allowed to tell anyone, not allowed to share it on the internet. They think that it would be a good idea. Um, so they're going to try and take matters into their own hands. And that's when things go horribly wrong. So oh, no. um, it's super, super creepy. It reminded me also a little bit of like when Stephen King did that double book thing where he did Desperation as Stephen King and The Regulators as Richard Bachman, where it was, like, oh, yeah, set yeah. in the same place, but, like, different characters might be evil than the ones in the other book and all that stuff. It reminded me of that. Um, I actually, I have this thing where I don't read previews. Like, if I'm reading a book in a series and I absolutely love it and there's, a, like, first chapter at the end, like, I, I don't want to read that. I don't. Oh, yeah, I don't do that I don't, either. like, like, I just don't enjoy that. I like to read the whole thing or nothing. Um, so I actually downloaded this for the show, like, in, in hopes, you know, that I would enjoy it and I was going to talk about it on the show. And read the first hundred pages, and then realized like there were only a hundred pages. No, and I was like, no. So you can bet that at nine o'clock, I was at the front door of the store the day that this book came out because I was like, mm, I need to know what happened. They got you. It worked. Oh, it worked. But I was so mad. I was just like, <laughs> also, I am begrudgingly giving you my dollars yeah. today, sir. <laughs> but also, I mean, I don't mind buying the book. It's awesome. I would have bought it anyway. But I really like. I was like, I have to know what happens. Also. There is a completely different ending in the Dutch version, which I have not oh. heard anyone explain yet what it is, but I'm dying to know like what that could be. There's no way that this isn't going to be a movie or something. It's it's so it's seriously foxed up. I mean, it's like disgusting and creepy and all kinds of amazing. Um, so again, it's called Hex by Thomas Old Huvel. 
I'm just still fascinated by the existence of the app in the story. It's like reverse Uber, but like there's a witch come get her. Well, yeah, they can't like move. They can't like encourage her to do anything. Um, right. You just have to like let them know. So like if a little old couple drives into town to like buy some flowers or something, she's not going to like, you know, right. they're not going to walk in and find her there. You know, they'll, just, like, like, they do things where they like put up like they'll throw a blanket over her or they'll like put up a screen or they'll like make a distraction so people look the other way. To you try just like, and, like drop a pin her. and everyone knows where the witch is. Yeah. That's so good. It's great. awesome. Um, my last pick, I had a little trouble also making my list for today, but my last pick, it came out last year. It's in paperback now. It was one of my favorite books of last summer. I spent a really wonderful sunny day just like sitting out in the sun wearing a giant straw hat, drinking lemonade and reading the whole thing in one sitting. Uh, so I'm really pleased to recommend it again. It's called This Is Your Life, Harriet Chance. It's by Jonathan Evison. Uh, it's terrific. This is a novel about a woman named Harriet Chance. She's 78 years old. Her husband of 55 years has recently died. And it turns out that he won tickets to a cruise at an auction and she never knew that he had done this. Um, but now he's gone and the cruise company is calling to be like, hey, you have these tickets to a cruise. Did you know about them? And they're about to expire. So if you want to use your cruise tickets, it's now or never, sister. Uh, so Harriet Chance recruits a friend, uh, another fellow old lady. They're going to go have an adventure together on this cruise, but then her friend backs out, so she decides to go it alone. And while she is there, things go sideways in like as many possible ways as they can. Harriet gets a little drunk. Harriet learns about secrets that her husband kept from her for essentially the entire length of their marriage, um, things that reframe her whole understanding of their life. Um, but because this is a Jonathan Evison novel, it's not like a big dark disaster. It's not catastrophic. Um, things just happen and she processes them and it manages to be really funny and poignant. Um, the book is structured in this unique episodic fashion that feels very like an episode of This Is Your Life on TV. So we see flashes of Harriet all throughout her life. It's non-linear. So you can go from 78-year-old Harriet to like 23-year-old Harriet to 35-year-old Harriet and back and forth. Um, we really get a sense of who she's been at many different points in her life. And so how she ended up uh, married to this person, what their life together was like, um, what was happening in their life together now that we know some of the, th the other things that he had going on that she never knew about. Uh, it's really wonderful. There's a terrific surprise to it that I'm not going to spoil, but uh, not in a like twist, but in a just a thing happens in the book and the way that the book is put together that is just delightful and that uh, nothing that I've ever read has done quite that way. I really, really loved it. And um, this is also a good safe like buy this for uh, your mom or your friend that's asking you for something to read this summer and you don't know what to recommend for them. Um, and I mean that in the best possible way. It can be really hard to know what to buy for somebody who's asking for a book recommendations just in general. Like, what should I read this summer? And you don't know much about the person. Uh, this is your life, Harriet Chance. is wonderful. Everybody will find something to chew on in it, but it's not uh, like deep. It's not deep in that like depressing, dark way. Like, my in-laws have this rule that if we're all going to go see a movie together, it can't have like violence or cursing or sex or like explicit drug use or be too depressing um which so makes it hard to see disney movies all the time B basically <laughs> or or we have super awkward moments where like we think that we have selected a movie that will fit all of these criteria and then we end up at charlie wilson's war and in the opening scene there's a person snorting blow off of a prostitute's bosom uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is like right oh, up there Mom, the in the most awkward moments that i've ever had with my in-laws <laughs> 
Yes. Um, but we did somehow also end up seeing This is 40 with them, which was definitely the most mortifying experience I've ever had seeing a movie with family members. Uh, this is your life. Harry and Chance is the opposite of those experiences. <laughs> it's charming and funny and thoughtful. And there is something to relate to. And it's totally safe to give to anyone that you like and respect and would like to have continue like and respect you. Uh, and it's out in paperback now. And I just really feel like I should stop talking. <laughs> We're so tired. <laughs> what are you going to read now? Um, okay, I'm so excited to tell you about this book. And you're going to hear me talk about it a whole bunch more. I am just about finished Ghostland, an American History in Haunted Places by Colin Dickey. I love Colin Dickey. I love his brain. His first book was called Cranioclepty. It's about the theft of dead people's parts. Um, the second book was Afterlives of the Saints, which is exactly what it sounds like how people became saints, which is, spoiler, mostly horrible. Like, you, like you had to have horrible <laughs> things that happened to you in order to be a saint. Like, oh, yeah, like, the road to saintdom yes. is not easy. Oh, yeah, no, it's terrible. Um, and this is his new book and his best um, he visits all these places in America that are supposedly haunted. And it's, but like, he's so, so smart and interesting that he hits on like all the right things that you want to know. Um, I mean, I just, I absolutely love his brain. And this is as close as you will get to look at it without a bone saw. Um, it's, he just talks about, you know, like, he's not saying ghosts do exist. And he's not saying that ghosts don't exist. Um, just like why this place is haunted, like, supposedly who it's haunted by the history of that person um what it means to like have a haunted place or a haunted city um it's just it's so good it's so good that like i was like i wish my house was haunted <laughs> and i don't even believe in ghosts although i feel like like a lot of people i found out like myself like we don't believe in ghosts and yet still claim to have had an experience where we think that we've actually seen one um but I'm still like, no, no, no. So it's just so much fun. And he's so awesome. So you should definitely check out his two other books uh, before this comes out. It's not out until October. Um, it'll give you plenty of time. Uh, he's just the best. Anyway, I'm going to stop babbling about it. <laughs> I'm uh, not going to talk too much about mine because I'm going to be talking about it next week, but I'm currently in the middle of Homegoing by Yaa Jassy, uh, which is one of like the big books of the year. It's a big debut novel uh, that starts in Africa in the 1700s and rolls through several generations of people. Um, I'm only a little way into it. I have been actively avoiding any discussions of it on the internet because people have been reading it and been excited about it for so long already that I don't want to be spoiled because you and I both like to go into books pretty blind yeah. um so i've i've kept myself pure for homegoing for as long as i possibly could have uh, and now i'm reading it for next week's show i'm really enjoying it so far so i'm gonna go spend the rest of my uh, holiday weekend sitting in the sun with it awesome uh, and on that note, that is our show. So thank you again to our sponsors, Third Love. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to start your free 30-day trial with a 24-7 t-shirt bra today. Rook by Sharon Cameron. You can check out the link in our show notes or find it wherever books are sold. And of course, come hang out with us at Book Riot Live. Today, May 31st, is the last day for VIP registration. You'll save $40 on your weekend ticket. You get a free water bottle and ding, 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 you get early RSVP access to uh, any special events events that have limited uh, capacity. 
So you can also drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com or hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute, please rate or review the show on iTunes. It lets us know how we're doing. And it also, and more importantly, helps other people who love books and are looking for new ones to read find their way to us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash allthebooks as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. Um, And now I'm going to go pretend that these books fell over and you woke up at 5.30 this morning uh, because of ghosts. And yeah, it was definitely not a ghost. Are you sure? Yes. Maybe. I don't know. Sweet dreams. (laughs) Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.